Welcome to the Simply Wild Podcast. I'm your host, Sadie Jane, and I have the beloved honor to introduce you to and to get to discuss today with my beloved brother and friend, Aizen. Welcome to the Simply Wild Podcast. My dear sister. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. What a gift. So you were just here with us for Medicina yeah. just yeah. a few months ago, and then you had the honor of, or I had the honor of hosting you again because you got to come up here for a little men's retreat and experience. And we found time again to just sit. We didn't have time last, last time you were here. I got to interview your beloved partner and wife, Shanti, my dear friend and sister. We love you, Shanti. Um, and that's actually how I really got to know you is through Shanti. But before we go into that or our connection or how I feel, I want, you know, the people that don't know you that are coming on to Simply Wild and listening, who are you? And how did you get here? And let's just like dive into, dive into that. Yeah. What an interesting question, eh? Who are you? Yeah. And then we start reaching for all these like labels and identifications. And so I'll try my best to put these stickers on in this moment. But my name is Aizen Abbas. I'm a teacher and student of The Great Mystery. My wife and I have created The Great Mystery School. I work with men through the fellowship, which is an online container. I host men's retreats called King's Council. Um, I'm, I'm a teacher of the great mystery. I've come here to be a speaker of truth, a sharer of truth, a student of harmony, messenger of love, just to embody what I am, my multidimensional essence in mm. this game and to be your friend on this path of remembrance and, and to connect to all that I am. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. What is the great mystery, Aizen, that you speak of? True. The great mystery. In short, it's all that is. Mm. It encompasses the creator of all of creation. Mm. It is what we cannot hold with our minds. Yeah. It's the touchable, the untouchable, the physical, the non-physical, um, the seen, the unseen. It is what connects everything. It is our essence. It is, it is the great mystery, something that we will never be able to hold, yeah. but yet we are yeah. of it. Learning more and more about it every day. Yeah. Especially if you're curious about that. Yeah. So that sounds beautiful and profound, but how did you get there? Like, how did you become who you are in front of me right now? Because I mean, maybe, maybe this is a judgment, but I don't know if you've ever or always been a teacher, student of the great mystery? No, I was a, I mean, God was always present in the house. Okay. So when I say great mystery, I mean God. Cool. And so God, it's interesting actually that you bring this up because God of religion mm -hmm. was always present in the house, mm. right? Growing up, being raised as Muslim, mm. my parents were never really strict. There was just certain principles of like, this is what it means to be Muslim. This is what it means to believe in God. Um, but it was never like an oppressive controlling, like you have to believe this way, which I think actually created space for me to experience God Absolutely. in my own way. So God was always present in the home. Um, I had a very early experience at like five years old, six years old, where this was early nineties, no seat belts being worn. I was sitting in the front passenger seat of the car while my dad was driving, my mom was in the back, we were on the highway. Mm. And for whatever reason, 
I like got this inkling and I turned and I said, mom, I want to come sit next to you. And I got up and I sat next to my mom, got back into the back seat, sat next to my mom. And within a split second, my dad got into a car accident. Oh my gosh. I was wearing no seatbelt. I would have been absolutely, you know, mm. I probably wouldn't be here mm. right now. And from that moment, and like my mom like held me and protected me and my, they both kind of got a little messed up, but it was, it was okay. And from that moment, there was this like awareness, like that wasn't a coincidence. Yeah. How did that happen? a split second before this accident. Yeah. And even from a young age, there was like this knowing of something greater protected me. Yeah. Something greater guided me to this back seat to be next to my mother, mm. to be protected. Mm. And so that started to like, that was like an initial seat mm -hmm. very, very early on. And, and so although God was in the household, it wasn't necessarily the God that I'm, I feel connected to today. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's part of what I say is, is, is my mission and our mission to take God back, back mm -hmm. from this like old God world narrative that per, uh, personified God mm -hmm. as this man in the sky to control your behavior, yeah. reward punishment. Yeah. You will not go to heaven unless you do X, Y, and Z. Right. Because right now you are not worthy. Right. And only when you complete these tasks will you become worthy. Painting this abstract point in the future as where you will find your worthiness. Yeah. Right. And so part of my mission is taking God back, which is why I use the word God. Yeah. Where initially, you know, a few mm -hmm. years ago I was using creator, mm -hmm. source. Mm -hmm. the universe, mm -hmm. because I was afraid if I used God, it would close people up. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a rebellion in the spiritual space to be able to use that word because so many people that immediately closes off their crown chakra or they already have because they have such a bitter relationship. Correct. And I think so everything serves a purpose and we'll unpack it a little bit, but I think part of part of what's been used to control us is this externalized version of God. Yeah. They placed God outside of us. And so keeping us seeking outside of ourselves mm -hmm. for this fulfillment, for this worthiness to mm -hmm. be uh, deemed worthy of love. And so that's what I'm saying. Part of the mission is to take God back, mm -hmm. take this back inside of me mm -hmm. to know that God is not in the mosque. Yeah. God is not in this book. Yeah. God is not anywhere other than right here with me right now. Yeah, tell me what God is to you then. What's your definition of God? If it's not a sky daddy <laughs> or maybe it is. No, what is, what is the definition of God to you? I can't really define it, mm -hmm. but I can tell you how I experience it. Okay, great. Let's do that. Let's go there. Yeah. Or maybe what it's not, right? Like just a feeling. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll tell you what God is not. Let's, that's a good way. Yeah. God is not judgment. Yeah. God is not, you are not good enough right now. God is not conditions. God is unconditional love. Hmm. And that is the basis of all of this mm -hmm. an acceptance of all of creation, mm -hmm. a feeling of interconnectedness with everything around us. Mm -hmm. And although we've come here to learn through separation, yeah, we've come here to learn about energy through separation. There is something that keeps us all connected. And so for me, God is the, the, the creator. Yeah. Creator of all. And do you believe God has a form up there? No. Yeah. No. It is the formless and the form. Yeah. This right here, this table. And us. And us. We yeah. Are, we, we are That's the form. The form. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Beautiful. So 
so funny. I was never, I wasn't going to go this way, but things, questions are just popping in. So I'm just yeah. going to like, let them happen. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know the answer necessarily to this question other than the discipline of such. But what I'm saying is, okay, so it's not judgment. So yeah. then what holds us accountable? Right. So we go from reward and punishment, a mechanism of control to an understanding of universal laws of cause and effect. Mm, absolutely. Especially on this 3D plane, because that's what it's built off of. Correct. Yeah. And so instead of saying, instead of suppressing the self out of fear, yeah, that if I do this, I will go to hell. Right. Now it's an awareness of my power to mm. co-create my reality, mm. knowing that with every cause, there is an effect. Mm-hmm. With every choice I make, I... I experience a specific timeline that opens up for me. A consequence. Correct. Yeah. And so now this is taking the power back, knowing that it's not about sinning in the sense of I'm not good enough. Yeah. It's I have the power to co-create life. Yeah. It's the consequence. It's if I do this, it's going to give me this. And if I do that, it's going to give me that. And the power of that that brings it forward to you. rather than the consequence of having to repent to something that's outside of ourselves. Right. Beautiful. So the great mystery, the instrument of God. And I do love that you're using that word and, um, and allowing people to be triggered, activated Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by that, because there is this spiritual woke culture of, you know, always being right or never being wrong or, and then I feel like that lacks accountability. So as you navigate that, and as you navigate your relationship with God, tell me about a time in your life when you lost God. Mm. That's a beautiful question. There was a time in my life where I felt my questioning of God created certain doubts. Mm -hmm. And this was early university, like 20 years old, University. Um, okay. So you're a Canadian guy, right? Yeah. Okay. So you college university. Oh, you so guys that's... call it college here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> U- university of Toronto. Um, my interesting how everything is so perfect, right? My grades were not good enough to get me into business. Mm. So I ended up going into philosophy, oh. <laughs> which was like the thing that cracked totally. me open at that totally. age. Yeah. It's perfect. And so philosophy of theology, philosophy of religion, philo- and then like at 20 years old, you're meeting professors who are asking you questions that can't be answered by the mind and Mm. you don't have too much awareness at that age. And so it like kind of started to have me question the God, at least the God that I was aware of Mm. up until that point. And so one of the questions that was posed was like, can God create a mountain that he cannot move? Mm. Can God destroy himself? Can God sew a note on the tune that you whistle? Mm. And so these questions for a 20 year old at the time were like, yeah, totally. discombobulating, mm-hmm. trying to capture it and hold it with the mind and there was no answer. And so then now I started to question. Yeah. And tell me your relationship with God up until that point. It was the conditioned, this is the yeah, sin, the, yeah. okay. Yeah. You're going to go to heaven. You're going to go to hell. Don't do this. Don't do that. Why? Because you'll go to hell. Yeah. There was no, um, understanding of mastery. There was no connectivity. God was still in the mosque. Mm-hmm. Heaven was still the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you have resistance when you were asking those questions? You're like, well, no, because this is God to me. Or did you really start to be like, oh, wow. 
could it be that everything I had learned up until that point, not necessarily isn't a lie, but just something that I don't believe anymore. I remember reading this book at the same time. I read this book by a very famous atheist, Richard Dawkins. Mm. And he went about disproving God through the very high probability that God does not exist. And so he went through it in a very scientific way. And once again, 21 years old, 20 years old, super susceptible, but really open as well. Yeah. It started to plant these seeds of doubt. Yeah. Like, oh my God, maybe this is just a made up fairy tale. Mm. Maybe we're just holding on to this thing because we need comfort in this mm. moment. Maybe I need to think there's something greater than this because I don't fulfill, feel fulfilled right now, or mm -hmm. I don't have the answers. Mm -hmm. So it must mean God exists. Yeah. So I was questioning that. And did you feel that? Did you listen? Did you read that book? And you're like, oh, it could be true. He's not there. He's not here. Or the idea of God isn't there. And is that when you started losing the sight of God? I don't know if I lost the sight of God, but I definitely started feeling guilty. Yeah. Of, that I'm questioning. Okay. Yeah. That these, these seeds of doubt started to sprout a little bit. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. I, this is, this is wrong. Mm. Okay. So then yeah. did you go back or did you continue to go forward? And did you notice that that you know, I feel like at least in my upbringing or in the religious upbringing in general, yeah. the second you start questioning, we're told that it's going to reap a, 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 a consequence of, oh, everything's going to dismantle, your life's going to change, or your life's going to go for the worst. And really, I feel like that is just an idea of us questioning and then dismantling everything and allowing things to crumble so that then we can rise to our own beliefs. Mm -hmm. So was that the beginning of that for you where you were like, continue, tell me more of the story of, okay, so that's where you started to, to question. And, and now you're here, Aizen, who believes in God, what happened? What continued to happen? Tell me more of the story. In all honesty, I don't really know. Mm. You just started living. I just started living. There wasn't a complete disbelief in God. Okay. I think I kind of, that was just a period of exploration, yeah. philosophical exploration in, yeah. at, at the time. Um, but I was still identifying as Muslim. You could, some would look at me as a practicing Muslim okay. as well. Okay. Um, and so the God of the religion was still present. Mm. And I don't think that it's so fascinating to even like explore this. I know. I, I don't think that the, my experience of what God is now didn't come in until I awakened to myself. Mm -hmm. So I was still, I was still asleep and unconscious mm -hmm. to what was governing my reality. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I realized how I was playing this game in a, mm -hmm. in a, in a state of sleep mm -hmm. that now all of a sudden God came in yeah. fully. Okay. So when was that? So the catalyst for my awakening was my divorce hmm. at 29, 30 years old. I was with the same woman girl at the time since 15. Oh, wow. We got married at 25. Um, she decided to end the marriage at 29, 30 years old. And my entire identity was attached to this. Marriage. Yeah. Right. This was all I knew. Mm-hmm. Um, still deeply in my grief and in my pain and in just projections and addictions. And it was a mess. 
but on the surface, I was living this life, corporate life, making six figures at since 24 years old, mm. two cars, bought a house. Like I was living the American dream mm -hmm. on the surface. Everything was perfect. But inside I was like rotting mm -hmm. and miserable. Mm -hmm. um, it's like what happens when you have everything and then it's not, still not enough. And the happiness doesn't come from yeah. everything that you thought that you wanted. Yeah, I had, I had everything. Mm -hmm. Holding the barbecues at my house, all the people coming over, mm -hmm. going on vacations, had the money, this and that. But I was like addicted, miserable, angry, sad, um, heavily in victimized victimization, just blaming the world for everything. Yeah. She left mm. in a very quote unquote traumatic way mm. that absolutely shattered my entire identity. Mm. And I was broken. Wow. I was broken. Yeah. She left with a note on the coffee table. Oh my gosh. Like, bye. Did you have any other idea? Any idea that she was going to do that? Well, we were, it was definitely eroding. Mm. And I started dabbling into some substances towards the end. That's when hard drugs came into the picture. Okay. And I that's started, the addiction you're talking about? No. Addiction I'm talking about is porn addiction. Okay. Yeah. So porn addiction heavily for like 10 plus years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Since the creation of the internet. Yeah. And I'm sure most, most men listening mm -hmm. to this can resonate with that since mm -hmm. the creation of the internet and, and women that, too. And women too. Yeah. Yeah. And that just be, just, just became a monster in and of itself. Yeah. Um, and then towards, I think probably the last year of our marriage, enter in cocaine, mm. going out more mm. and that started to like speed things up. Yeah. And so at the end, we got into this one, like, yeah, we got into this one uh, uh, conflict and she left. Wow. Yeah. We tried to rekindle with, mm -hmm. in a month's time. We maybe saw each other twice in mm -hmm. that time, but then she decided to close the door a month after. So tell me where God was during all of that, during addiction, during, you know, you started with cocaine use. Like you said, you were just like broken and. Oh my God. You're going to make me cry right now, but mm. <clears throat> there was, cause I'm, I'm reflecting on something somebody, somebody shared. I, I don't remember when, but it was just recently. Um, and I'm going to butcher this entire, this entire kind of, uh, mini story, but basically like everywhere you go, there's two pairs of footsteps, mm. yours and God's. Mm. And then in the dark times when you look and there's only one pair of footsteps and you're like, God, where are you? And it's like, I was carrying yeah. you this whole time. Right. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like footprints in the sand. Yes. 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 It's like my son, I was carrying you this whole time. Mm. That's why there's only one pair of footsteps. Wow. <clears throat> and it was in that heartbreak. Mm -hmm. It was in the shattering of all of that mm -hmm. where who I thought I was, was no more. And now is the process of like finding this. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I'm getting emotional is because like, I feel deeply into how sad I was then. Mm -hmm. Like I was absolutely broken. Mm -hmm. um, but as we know, like it's so perfect. Yeah. And I feel that the purpose of that relationship, and we've never talked since there's been no communication mm -hmm. since the purpose of that relationship was truly the way in which it ended. Yeah. Absolutely. It yeah. had to be. Yeah. I don't know if this is in the same in the Muslim culture and correct me if I'm wrong, but at least in some other religions that I know about, we're told that God leaves us when things like that happen. We're told that and you know, the connection of such could be that 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 connection maybe doesn't communicate with us or or any of that. However, 
I feel like in those moments, God is, like you said, carrying us the most. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like whether I wanted it to be a trick question or not, it's like those are the moments when you find God, when he holds you. Yeah. And if you still don't see, hey, he's knocking at your door, or I say he, but even just the concept of God, the great mystery, yeah. it's knocking at your door. God is there with you, and you're not listening, and you're not listening, and you're not listening. And I say you as in just all of us in the depths yeah. of our despair, and then we uncover the destruction of everything until we actually listen. Oh, yeah. And I wasn't listening at that point. Yeah. And that's what got you to listen. No. Oh, wait. okay. Keep going. No, what I, got you to listen? I moved, I, so, so a few months after that, I grabbed all my bags, packed all my demons mm. and moved to Vancouver. Mm. So you're like, I'm, well, out, I'm out of here. Here we go. Yeah. I always want to go live in Vancouver. And I is that, that like city. a big city? Okay. Yeah. I love that city. I was, I was living in Toronto. I've always, I always was visiting Vancouver, a friend every year. And so it was like, leave, you need to leave now. Yeah. And actually my cousin was, was the catalyst of that. He's like, you need to get out of Toronto. You've been living there for 25 years mm. of your life. Your whole life is in this one neighborhood. Like, bro, leave. Mm. Where would you go to? And I was like, I'd go to Vancouver. He's like, then go. And so again, God is working through everything at yeah. all times. Yeah. And so at that point I told my boss in six months, I'm going to Vancouver. No, no, sorry. I told myself and I was speaking to another cousin. I said, in six months, I will leave to Vancouver no matter what. I just hope when the opportunity arises, I said this to him on the couch uh, at my house. I said, I just hope when the opportunity arises, I won't be too scared to take it. Mm. The next day, there was a job posting in my company for the same position, but in Vancouver. Oh my gosh, of course. And I called my boss up and I said, if I don't get this job, I'm quitting. And I was a top sales rep at the time. Mm. And so he said, like, are you sure you want to do this? And I said, yes. He's like, all right, then you leave in like a month. And so boom, moved to Vancouver, first time alone, first time like living on my own, right? I was with her since 15, got married, left my parents' house, moved in with her. This is the first time I'm free, but I took all my demons with me. Hmm. Everything. Yeah, nothing stopped. Nothing stopped. It magnified. I was free yeah. in the sense of I'm in a new city, I'm adventuring, yeah. I'm exploring, I'm meeting new people, but now the the feelings of being unworthy of love because the only person that loved me left mm -hmm. now came full force into to the surface mm. and i treated myself as that unworthy yeah and and so i started to seek that worthiness through mm -hmm. women mm -hmm. and so vancouver was a time to search for myself and other people mm. and still come back feeling as empty yeah. as I was. I kind of want to go back because yeah. this, this question keeps arising in my mind. Mm -hmm. What were you avoiding? So of course you had that relationship. You knew her from 15. You had attached yourself to this beautiful person yeah. and you were still, you know, feeling these addictions. Can you pinpoint, have you been able to pinpoint like, what was it? What was the, what was the healing that hadn't happened? What was the trauma that you were feeling? What was the disconnection to yourself where you felt like you had to continue to go outside of yourself? Yeah, a lack of acceptance for self. And do you, do you realize, do you know when that started? It only came into my awareness when I got into the next relationship mm. and felt like she accepted me. Mm. Because part of it was who's going to accept me mm. now 
divorced, all these stories. Um, but that was that acceptance happened late earlier. The the lack of acceptance, yeah, happened earlier. Yeah. So it's like, I wonder if you have visited where that began. You're a single child, yeah. Mm -hmm. Only child, yeah. Only child. Yeah, I just wonder where that acceptance, where that lack of acceptance came in. And, I, and I'm wondering, and I'm posing that question because you are such a, you are such a vigilante and a spokesperson for your people. Mm. And I wonder if that was a generational acceptance. I think it was a lot of things. It was not like, maybe not feeling accepted through the household, mm -hmm. right? You have to act in a certain way mm -hmm. to be deemed worthy, mm -hmm. to get attention from pops, to get attention from mom. And I love my parents. We have a great relationship. Totally. It's just, the it's system just different that, as a child. It's just the system they were existing in yep. that they were getting me ready for. Yes. Um, so that kind of foundation of like, you are only accepted if you show up in a certain way and now like extrapolate that into school. And so you are only accepted if you're acting a certain way. So now like put, start putting on these masks of being this athlete and this tough guy and this, this persona that starts to build and you start to put these things away. Yeah, right? of course. But even not, in a good household, yeah. even in a loving household. And you do, you have a beautiful relationship with your parents and you love them mm -hmm. and you honor them and respect them. And I think I, I wanted to share that or like really get to the bottom of that because that's what we are one that's like that's what we're coming home to is the remembering of all of those layers being removed whether or not i think a lot of people don't give themselves the credit that there is whether it's that they want to use the word trauma or layers of masks mm -hmm. to try to understand this acceptance of whether it's their parents society environmental socioeconomical or even religion mm -hmm. and so those layers then got you to these addictions and this dismantling yeah. and then to the, your next relationship. So tell me more about that. Yeah. So part of, I've never talked about this okay. at all. And so part of my marriage and the, the baggage, the skeletons in the closet was the infidelities. Mm. And so now coming out of that, mm. it was like, who would accept a man mm. with all these skeletons in his closet? Yeah. It's just a shame spiral. Right. Because yeah. I was not in a place to like understand myself and accept that this is kind of the path that totally. I was walking and this is, so it was still a seeking of someone who would accept me. Which then brought the, I use the word entity because that lower frequency brings that, the entities of people, just like you finding, trying to find people that yeah. will be at that level, that yeah. shame level, that guilt level. Yeah. And so enter in the next relationship, like six months after I moved to Vancouver. Wow. Which is like, that's a, fast, right? Especially after like, how many years was that? Yeah. 15 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Moved in pretty quickly. Still like super codependent, still playing out my addictions, still playing out my, um, sexual explorations, but now with her, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and I found somebody who could give me what I wasn't able to give myself, which was acceptance. Mm. for my past acceptance mm. for my present acceptance for mm. what I was into acceptance for where I was. Yeah. Yeah. And it was the acceptance 
I mean, I think there's two different sides. There's like the acceptance. Okay. I see you. I honor that. Okay. We're going to be accountable for that. Now let's move forward. Mm -hmm. But this was like the acceptance of that. And let's just keep going at it. Let's just keep going this fuckery. Right. <laughs> and is that what happened? Mm -hmm. It was kind of like, it was a situation where I was still heavily in the partying okay, and in the substances and I was ha able to have my cake and eat it too. Yeah. And so I was able to, yeah, basically have my cake and eat it too. And what happened with it? Um, that then led to the awakening. Okay. Yeah. And so, okay, this is, this is, this is perfect. This is perfect. So we moved in together. Yeah. We were still playing out this life of exploration within the union. Right. Okay. If you follow me. Yes. And one night, and now, now I was able to be faithful, right? Yeah, because was, it's all out there. Yeah. And this was something now that I held really like, this is another aspect of the awakening. I was so proud of the fact that like, I have no more skeletons in my closet. Of course. Now. She knows everything. Yes. I am faithful. I am comfortable in this relationship. I feel secure. We're playing, but we're also like having fun together, mm -hmm. enjoying life together, mm -hmm. whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, still, still unconscious. Mm-hmm still unconscious in mm. this in this but this a layer point. of that even just being transparent right it's a whole oh, layer exactly yeah yes yes which was huge for me yes it was like oh my god this weight is off yes. my shoulders i don't have anything to hide from this yes. person it's the mask okay so now i'm not hiding right okay so now i'm trying so so now you see but more you see more of like what you kind of want and then you explore that in transparency and then maybe oh wait actually that's not for me either so one night i went out there was a there was a period in my life. This was actually the the beginning of the awakening. I dropped into a really deep depression, mm. like a really dark period, to the point where I thought I was bipolar. Mm. So now I'm still carrying all of this with me from the divorce, mm -hmm. from from the addictions. I'm still like in that this lack place. of acceptance as well. Just every just lack of everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> lack mm -hmm. of self love, lack mm -hmm. of acceptance, lack of direction, lack of purpose, lack of understanding. And I fell into a really dark place and I actually thought I was bipolar. Mm. I went and got started getting medicated. I went and told my family I'm bipolar. Wow. I told my friends I'm Did bipolar. Did you like self-diagnose or go to a doctor or were I, you just... I started to, yeah, I kind of self-diagnosed and then went to a psychologist or something. Were you doing a lot of heavy drugs at the time? Yes. Okay. Right? So that's why... So these ups and downs. Yeah. <laughs> that's not bipolar. That's drug use. <laughs> but that's okay. We know now. Yeah. Right. And so, I'm, so what did you get on? I, I'm curious. What I medicine? Don't, I don't recall. It wasn't okay. lithium, but it was something like else. Like an SSRI of some kind? I think so. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. And um, yeah, I was, I was actually ha having serious like suicidal ideations mm. at the time too. Like it was dark mm. and she was not in a space of like understanding or being able to hold that. And like, it was a bad place for me. Mm. Uh, I took a long leave of absence from the same company I was with since 23 years old. And, um, yeah, it didn't get any better. How um, long was this? This was a span of maybe like three or four months. Okay. Yeah. So you took the leave of absence, you're feeling this, you're getting medicine, but then you're also still partying. Yes. Or no, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. And then I ended up getting another job. Oh, interesting. Another company called me and said, Hey, do you want to come and be the director of sales for our small business? Mm. And it was like my saving grace. Yeah. It was everything I was looking for, more money, 
better position, small company in the cannabis industry and all this stuff. And it fulfilled everything on the checklist. Once again, wow. I just got God, given like everything. just dropping you. It was like, here, here, you think this will make you happy? Let's give it to you. Yeah. A month after was the awakening. Mm. I went out with a friend, drinking, partying since noon, complete, complete, um, just poisoning of the self. Wow. Um, man, we're going to go deep here. It's like two in the morning now at this point, and we've been drinking and doing Coke and just going crazy from place to place to place. Meet up with a, a couple women, mm. end up going back to that person's house and end up cheating on my girlfriend. Mm. And now I've done something that I was like, oh my God, yeah, I'm back here again. Right. How did I do this to myself? Yeah. The worst part was, is I left my phone at her house. Oh no. Yeah. So there's no hiding it. There's no hiding it. I left yeah. my phone at her house. Yeah. I go back home. My girlfriend at the time was not staying. She was at her sister's. Mm. I send her an email. Um, anyways, I'm going to fast forward. She found out and it was super messy. She ended up finding out. I lied to her. Okay. Okay. I lied to her. Um, and through the loss of the phone, again, here comes God yeah. weaving mm -hmm. the perfection mm -hmm. to absolutely destroy you in order for you to realize who you are, right? And actualize this greatness and step towards yourself. And so losing the phone was the saving grace because if I didn't lose my phone, she would have never found out. Yeah. And so the way she found out was really messy. Mm. And... The beautiful thing, here is the magic weaving. It mm. happened on the day of my wedding anniversary. Wow. To your first wife. Yes. Wow. And so September 22nd remains such a powerful day. And that was the day I woke up. Mm. Or that was the day the awakening began. Mm -hmm. Or you're like enough. Where I was like, how, how am I responsible for this level of misery in my own life? Mm. Okay, she left me. At the time, I'm thinking that's an outside heartbreak. Yeah. How am I doing this to myself right now? Yeah. How? And again, here comes the depressive period back. Mm. So she's gone. So she's gone. And um, I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. I hated myself mm. so much. That I would walk by mirrors and look away. Mm. I could not stand the sight of myself. Mm. How can this man be responsible for all of this pain? Yeah. Like, I hate you, bro. Yeah. Like, get out of here. Yeah. I hate you. So how'd you get out of it? Twofold. Trying to win her back. Mm. Help direct focus. Mm -hmm. And so now cocaine was gone. Okay. In order to get her back, this thing, I knew this thing had to go. Mm -hmm. Still seeking outside of myself, but it was perfect. It had to play its role. And, and the, 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 the trying to get her back narrowed a focus. Yeah. But what started to happen, one of the earliest downloads I received, and I don't know if y'all can see this on the camera. Yeah, we can see it. So in Arabic, hub. This means love. Mm. A month after that all happened, 
I went to Beirut with my family and I had this like message to ask my mom to write in her handwriting love in Arabic and I would get it tattooed on me. Hmm. And the download was that if we, if I could love myself even a fraction of how my mother felt for me mm -hmm. as I came into this world, I would be a, in perfect condition. Mm -hmm. Everything would change. Mm -hmm. And so I asked my mother, who is really against tattoos, can you do this for me? And she fought it and whatever. And eventually she did. And she came with me and she wrote it out. And it's in her handwriting. Wow. Beautiful. <clears throat> so the twofold in the awakening, one was needing to get this relationship back or I was, it was not going to be good. Mm -hmm. The other part was this almost militant style of devotion to self mm. to build self-respect back. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden I started like creating and designing this program for myself. Mm. I put like these pillars, mind, body, and soul, and I would fill up these pillars of what I was going to do every day. I did everything, Sadie. Wow. Everything. I was, the, I was meditating. I was going to hot yoga. I was journaling. I was doing affirmations. I was doing gratitude practice. I was going to AA meetings. I was going to anger management. I was going to counseling. I was going to kickboxing. I was going to the gym. I was eating well, fasting. I did everything, everything. I thought was was like I did everything a month into doing everything I was like oh, if she doesn't come back it's okay hmm. like I feel good about myself now like I'm building hmm. I, like I can I respect myself now she came back we moved back in together a year passes were you still doing those things when she came back had you gotten to, into a routine well enough that you were like, okay, this is feeling good or was it like I'm gonna get it so I'm gonna do these things so I can get the girl and then oh I got the girl here we go no the the spiritual things remained okay now we are meditating together now we are going to counseling together now we are doing we awakened together yeah in a sense yeah um but there was still now mdma came into the picture okay alcohol was still in the picture okay so i was still like dancing between these two worlds yeah um yeah and so still having my cake and eating it too still wanting to live in this one world of distraction and quick fulfillment mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. but knowing there was something greater that mm -hmm. i was touching i was like touching this thing beyond the veil that mm -hmm. felt so full full mm -hmm. a year passes we got a dog together we moved in together into a new apartment Fam the family forgave me every all of it all of it until one day God gave you everything again, everything I thought I wanted again, again, <laughs> until one day, until I fasted for Ramadan for 30 days. So for those who don't know, Ramadan is a month of fasting where you fast from water and food from sunrise to sunset and you break your fast at sunset. Mm. And I hadn't fasted for years and for whatever reason. Maybe because of COVID hit and it's like everyone stay in your house. You can't do anything. And so I got the message. Mm. You are to fast. So your messages that you were getting became more clear when you started implementing these pillars. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yes. So all of a sudden it's the, like. The signal to soul started to become clearer as, yes, as I cleared the debris and committed to myself and really like started to devote and pour into myself yeah. and to learn about myself. Yeah.
because I also started doing a life coaching program as well. Because mm. during counseling, my counselor, God bless her soul, Daniela, if you're listening, mm. she's a guardian angel. In, in one moment, this was another message that came through her, which is, I told her I'm miserable still at my job. Okay, I'm awake now, I'm doing all the things, but I still yeah. am miserable. Like, yeah. am I supposed to be doing this forever? And she said, I feel like you're best suited for this. And I was like, what does that mean? She's like, have you ever thought of coaching? Mm. And I was like, hmm, okay, well, I'll get into the coaching program then. And so I started doing life coaching. Mm. And then we'll get to the men's work too, but even in the life coaching program, someone just said to me, what does a men's group led by you look like? And I was like, hmm, a men's group. Okay, I'll start a men's group. Yeah. And so at this point, I've awakened to this different life. I'm on my path to becoming a coach. Um, I've started my men's group. This is what year? 2020? 2020. Okay. The message comes in, you are to fast for Ramadan for 30 days. And so I fast for 30 days. Wow. You've done that before. Yes. Yeah. Ramadan ends. I wake up one Monday morning with this knot in my stomach. I instantly knew what it meant. Mm. You have to leave her. Mm -hmm. Right away, the feeling in my stomach was like, oh my God, I knew it. Mm. And I went into the shower and I just started crying, like grieving, grieving. Um, I knew it and I fought it. I fought it, gave myself every reason not to, all this stuff and pros and cons list and just wait six more months and see how you feel. And this is she, like, everything was fine. We had a fine relationship. Sex was good. Laughs were good. Adventures were good. Everything. But there was this thing, there was this knowing inside of me that like, you are still in a prison within yourself. That's like one of the hardest lessons I think is when things are good. It was to listen to this day, proportionally the hardest thing I've ever mm. done. And so here I am for a couple of days, still stewing in this, like, oh my God. And I'll never forget it. There was a picture of me at my grade eight graduation, 14 years old on my bookshelf. And I'm sitting there on the couch thinking like, what am I going to do with this? And I look up and I see this boy looking at me. Mm. And I, and I realize like, how can I tell this boy? I'm too scared to do what is best for you right now. After everything you've done, after everything you've sacrificed, after everything, I'm too scared to walk you through this next step. Mm. Plus she took me back and all these stories, totally. right? You're better. You trust each other. Everything's better. And now it's the deepest part of trust because it's easy when you're literally in hell to be like, I have to change. But when things are good and God's calling you forward to even something greater, but you don't know how, how could something even be greater when you're at your greatest now? Right. Right. That's when the trust comes in. That's when your God goes into you. Like you really find your God. That's, that's the alchemical leap off the cliff. Yep. Yep. That is the leap to see how held you really are. Yeah. And so I leapt. Wow. Where'd you go? I just told her, I feel different. I don't know. And she, she, she understood. Yeah. She understood. And wow. we, we stayed in the same apartment for a few months, but we were, we were done. Um, and then pre Eisen got born. Mm. Ayahuasca came into the picture months before all of a sudden 
as I moved into a new apartment, I started holding my men's circles at the apartment and like, I want to say like my gifts started to come online. Mm -hmm. So tell me about the bravery. Did it, did you feel like you had to have a lot of bravery to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to do coaching. Oh yeah. I'm going to do men's group. Did that feel scary? Or were you like, no, I, I know I have a gift. I know I have a message. I know I can hold space for these men. No. Yeah. You were like, this is a leap. This was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah, totally. I'm resi I, I, I don't want to make an Instagram account totally. and make videos. I was scared. Yeah. My first video, I was terrified. I was like a deer in headlights. Like, if you want to be coached by me, <laughs> I was so scared. It was, and then, and then again, one of the, one of the, the, the messages that came through was like, if you can help one man, then it'll be worth it. So just go. Now, the thing is, I was still deep in my own unworthiness. Mm. And so, although I was trying to find my worthiness through helping other people, I believe my, I feel deeply that my higher consciousness was using the existing internal mechanisms to get me from A to B. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, in order to get him here, we're going to use his unworthiness. Yeah. Like, Hey bro, you can get some worthiness yeah. from helping people. Yeah. And then, so I walked in that direction. That's the gift of neutrality. That's the gift of literally being in the essence of living this world. People want to shame so badly the things that got us to where we are. But this unworthiness, this not feeling enoughness, what a gift that instead yes. of feeling shame for it, it literally led you to this idea that now you can create this beautiful life and also help men to do it as well and women. Yeah. And and, and that's what we have to trust is the knowing of our soul yeah. and getting us down these paths of fulfillment. And sometimes it's going to take our fear mm -hmm. to get us there. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's going to take our unworthiness. Sometimes it's going to take our curiosity. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's going to take another closed door to, op to open this path. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was, you can find worthiness down this path mm. here. This is meeting you at your new spiritual identity that you're building. Mm -hmm. right? And that's not good or bad. That's beautiful. It's just what is, but I was, I was definitely attaching to yeah. this, the fulfillment this image of like, this is who I am now. Yeah. I was just going to say yeah. too, you didn't know, you didn't know that at that time. Did you know that? Did you really know to the, to the degree? So yeah. now we've talked about this offline, how it's tricky when you grow, when you grow your audience, when you grow who you are, when people get to know you, it's really tricky to be really mindful of why you're doing what you're doing. And so we're held at a higher level of accountability for ourselves. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that we're held at that level when we're first beginning because we just don't know any better. And so now it's different. Yeah. 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 And your awareness continues to grow. Of course. And, and with that comes the responsibility of holding yes. the level of compassion for the past you that got you to this awareness. Absolutely. It doesn't make sense that now you have the awareness and then you look back and you're like, oh my God, oh my and you judge yourself for yeah. wanting to be this like hippie dude who walked around Vancouver barefoot. And yeah. it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you did that? Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. Wearing my mala beads, like smoking joints, walking around barefoot. Like you had to be what you I had, had to, to go be through, to be. I had to go through those phases. Yes. Yeah. So you're, you're holding men's group in your apartment, no shoes on. Yeah. Smoking your weed. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling and fulfilled. Feeling, starting to feel like this is coming together. And as I was saying, like ayahuasca came into the picture mm -hmm. earlier that year. The second set of three ceremonies I did that year just completely opened me up. Yeah. 
to what I am. And then it was from there, we were just moving forward. Mm -hmm. I was receiving messages and signals going in those certain directions, certain abilities and psychic gifts and mystical abilities started to come online. I was holding space differently with these men. Um, it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. And so much so that then you moved to a cabin. Yeah. So that was again, later that year in, in ceremony, it was like, you are to leave Vancouver and go live alone in the woods. And you will, that, that was the initial signal. And then the mind started to conceptualize, I want to go grow food and have animals and do this whole thing by myself. But it was like, you are to leave to Vancouver Island and to live alone in the woods. All right. And at that point you were holding men's circles. So it became virtual. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you were on Instagram at the time. Yes. Level up coach. Okay. Love it. Level up coach. We was... love level up coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before Aizen. Yeah. And then Aizen was birthed when? So moved to the cabin. The, 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 the name eyes in will jump a little all over the place here. So you'll have to That's keep great. me, of course, correct me if, okay. if needed. The name eyes in came as a gift. When I visited a friend in the mountains in British Columbia, there is a, there's an older hippie dude living with, with him off the, off the land, off grid. And after days of mispronouncing my name, mm -hmm. he comes to me and he says, I got it. Eyes in. Mm. And I was like, Oh my God. That's the first time you had heard that. Yes. Whoa. It's like, that's it. That's it. What year was that? I want to say the same year. Okay. Right. When you moved to the cabin. -ish. No, no, no. This was before. Oh, this was before the cabin. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So this was like gifted to me. Like, yep. this is what your name is. Yep. And for those listening, my name is Ihsan in Arabic. Mm. But when I was born, the day I was born, the nurse looked at my name and said, Aizen. Interesting. And my parents were like, okay, that's what we'll call him for people who can't speak Arabic. Wow. So if she could have said Isan, Ihsan, she could have said anything and they would have went with it. But as chance will have it. Yep. She said, Eisen. She said Eisen. And so I was always Eisen to all my friends. And mm -hmm. then this hippie in the mountains says eyes in. And that was it. That unlocked like an activation in my whole being. Yeah. That this is what it is. Um, yeah. I want to talk about when you didn't use your name. Can we do that? Yes. Okay. So we've talked offline about how you didn't you didn't use Aizen for no. a second. No, I was ashamed of my name for my whole life. Tell me why. Because I'm like growing up in Canada, everybody's either Billy or Blake or David or Jeremy or, and then here's Eisen. Mm. And it's like, oh, Isaac, Ivan, mm. I Iris, what? Mm -hmm. I was I was ashamed of my name. Mm -hmm. Especially because it wasn't even my name. Yeah. That's like That's the way the, you would say it. Right. Because you can't pronounce it properly. Right. Wow. So even that was a layer of non-acceptance of self yes. and feeling ashamed of my name. And so when I was 16, I started a job telemarketing. And as you can imagine, Eisen calling from Greenlawn, <laughs> people were like, what was your name? I What? Mm -hmm. And so I decided to change my name one day to Steve. Steve. Wow. <laughs> 
of all the names. <laughs> right? That's so sad. I laugh, but like, what a sad. messed up world, it gets, man. It gets more sad. And so Steve didn't make any sales that day. Oh, no. <laughs> the next day I tried Dan. Oh, no. <laughs> Did Dan make sales? Dan killed it. Oh, shit. And so I became Dan from Greenlawn. Oh, no. Now, nobody else was calling me Dan, but I was saying I am Dan when I would call. Fast forward to 23 years old, graduate university. I'm not getting a single callbacks on any of my resumes. The recruiter tells me, why don't we put Dan on your resume and see what happens? <sighs> and so I put Dan on my resume and all of a sudden I'm getting job offers left and right. And so that became Dan. That became the birth of Dan. Now people are calling me Dan. Corporate card says Dan. Business cards say Dan. Vo the 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 voicemail when you call me says you've reached Dan. Wow, full alter ego, full. Talk about masks. Yeah, it was a whole character. And that character, just to paint the picture for everybody, that character of Dan was literally when you were in the depths of drugs, addiction. Yeah, that was. Dan was birthed at 23. I got married two years later. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So Dan became this corporate gimmick. Um, fast forward all the way right back to moving to the cabin. Mm -hmm. um, man, there's so many layers to this story. There was a fall from grace before the cabin. I had been going to the island searching for land for about six months. And several of the places I went to, at this point, drug-free, alcohol-free, nothing. Like, I'm deep in the work. Mm -hmm. Like, clean, nothing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to the island searching for properties, searching for land, put a few offers down, don't get them. Another offer doesn't work out. Another offer doesn't work out. And I'm going sleeping in my car. Mm -hmm you know, every other weekend looking at different places mm -hmm. and, uh, the pity party showed back up and I felt I had a falling from grace a victimhood. Yeah. Yeah. I had a falling from grace back into substances, back into relations, um, with one specific person at the time, but, and my light completely shut off. Mm. Everything I had started building, all these powers, all this knowing, all these signals, this connectivity was gone instantly. Mm. My presence, I couldn't focus on anything. I was, it was gone. Mm. It was gone. How long did that last? That lasted about a month and a half. Okay. And there was three instances, three forks in the road where I had the opportunity to share myself to share where I was at with a friend, three separate friends, three days in a row. And to paint kind of the picture, but not to draw this all out. It was basically each meeting with the friends, with the friends. There was this like pull to call my shadow to the light, to tell the truth on myself, mm. to just speak it out loud. Mm -hmm. This is where I am at. Mm -hmm. So the first friend, um, I share it with him. Beautiful. The next day I'm hanging out with another friend. The same pull comes, speak this to the, speak this to truth, 
tell the truth on yourself. And he was like, I'm doing these things again. I've fallen from grace. Perfect. The next day, another friend, share this with her. I share it with her. She didn't receive it too well, like <laughs> the other two friends. She absolutely destroyed me. Oh. And then there was an invitation to do a 48-hour water fast, which I had never done before. 24 hours into that water fast, everything started to recalibrate. Mm. It was it was something out of this world. Mm. By the second day, the cabin I have now ended up coming back into the picture. So I initially didn't get the cabin. The offer fell through. My real estate agent calls me on the four, on the second day of this 48-hour water fast. And he says, hey, the, the offer fell through. Do you guys want the cabin? It's like, yes. And so the decision was made. You jump on this bus and you go. Yeah. Like you, you, this portal is open. Go all in on yourself. Yeah. What was it about? What was that falling about? Have you been able to... The falling from grace? Yeah. A perfect storm. To get you perfectly back to where... I needed to lose it all. Everything I had been building, everything I had been touching and connecting to, I needed to, to feel all of that be completely taken from me. Yeah. From my own shadow coming in. Did you feel before that, I hate using the word ego, but did you feel before that you were getting that? You were like, oh, this is working out. Oh, we got it. We're rolling. And that's kind of what was taken from you, this dismantling of, okay, none of this is even mine. I am an instrument. I understand that now. Yeah, it wasn't that it was mine. It was that I, it felt to me as though the light within that I had cultivated was just like extinguished. It's like whew, someone blew the candle out. When you started doing all those other substances, yeah. going back. Yeah. Yeah. When I fell back in. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to touch on, I love that you told the story of like being accountable and telling these three friends. Yeah. Because essentially that's what you do a lot in your groups is you give a safe place for these men, uh, specifically in your fellowship. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. And of course I'm not a part of it, but I can feel it. I can feel that there is this safety that you create that's important to you to be able to create an accountability partner, somebody to say, come forth. Well, we've talked about a little bit about what you do mm -hmm. and you use that word specifically. I bring them, I call them forward. Yeah. I don't know, like I said, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you'd be able to hold that space like you do now if you hadn't first been called forward yourself to... Yes. Show that you were in those shadows. Yes. I find it really interesting that that is what you experienced right before this cabin was brought back. Yes. Which is why I say almost like an ego death had to happen when this, you know, I think some people are like, oh, we're on the path. We're doing everything right. It's all going to be just rainbows and butterflies. No, there's still lessons, mm -hmm. especially if we're holding space, if we are instruments for God. Okay, Eisen, I have another, I have another lesson for you. Let's let's take it all away again, or let's experience this again, so that then you can continue to hold that space for these men. Yeah, and in that sense, you're right. There was another death that needed to exist. There mm -hmm. was another 
dying off that needed mm-hmm. to happen. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was like two deaths that had to happen. There was the death of the light that mm-hmm. I was embodying. Mm-hmm. And then there was the, the death of this, this acquiescing to not choosing my greatness. Mm-hmm. And so to feel my own ability to choose the light, to choose my power, to choose my path, to choose myself and to, and to commit so deeply to myself. And which is where Bobin Sana came into the picture. Mm. And that's when you did the diet. That's when I did my dieta. So yeah. I left to the cabin and a, a message came in clearly. You need to double down on this mission. Just going out to the woods is not going to cut it. Mm-hmm. And I went on a three-month dieta with Bobin Sana. For those who don't know, she's a a, um, a master plant teacher. It's not a psychoactive, it's not a hallucinogenic, but you sit with this master plant and drink a tea every night. And this was everything mm-hmm. for me. This was everything for me. It transformed my entire experience of reality. Mm-hmm. Um, Three months is an extremely long time for a diet as well. Yeah. And so the diet doesn't only consist of drinking this tea every night, but there's no salt, there's no sugar, there's no weed, there's no alcohol, there's no sex, there's no red meat, dairy. Like you are, that's just from the intake of food perspective, but you are to be completely clean and in monk mode, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I was at, at the cabin dieting Bobinsana, going and drinking ayahuasca and ceremonies throughout the time. I was on a discipline challenge, working out every day um, out alone in the woods. And so for the first time in my life, this I closed off my field to any energies, feminine energies, completely celibate, completely isolated, working on, um, not isolated, in solitude mm. because I was not alone. Mm-hmm. I was like by myself in the woods, but I was with this teacher mm-hmm. and, and Bobin Sana, I say she, because it's a very powerful feminine spirit. She was essentially guiding me to liberate my inner feminine. Mm. And I started to come into this place of wholeness within myself. Wow. And I was, I was marrying my, I was married to myself in this cabin. Wow. You're feminine. Yes. You're masculine together. Yes. It was, it came online. She started to teach me about energy. She started to work, work through me in my dreams. I would wake up in the middle of the night with poetry streaming through me. I'd I'd grab my phone, quickly write out the poetry and and go back to sleep, wake up the next morning and be like, how did this happen? And so she was teaching me really beautifully Mm. how to open my heart to all that I am Mm -hmm. and need nothing from nobody. And to nurture myself and to pour into myself and to devote to myself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like to live in such a high level of devotion that only someone who meets me there would even be able to come back in mm-hmm. to this field. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because before the diet, I said to myself, all right, so this, this period of celibacy, when it's over, I'm going crazy. I'm going to go out and about and do whatever, do whatever. Yeah. One month into the diet, it was like, there is no way I could ever lay with another woman who is not my 
queen. Mm. Wow. There is no way. Wow. Who would be worthy mm-hmm. of this information transfer? Mm-hmm. Who else but my queen would be worthy of this information mm-hmm. transfer? And right there, there was this sharp certainty that you will never lay with another woman unless it's your queen. Mm. This is the most sacred thing mm-hmm. in existence. Mm-hmm. That sexual exchange. Correct. Yeah. Powerful. Jeff actually did a Bobinsana dieta, but it was only a week. And I find it so interesting, these feminine plants that find these really strong masculine men, mm-hmm. because I saw in, in a very different way how powerful it was that brought his creativity online, his sacral in a creative way to stream that energy. What a gift. I've never dieted Bobansana, but I can feel. And there's a Bobansana tree in Shanti's property. Unbelievable. It's just crazy. She was the vetting process. Yeah, absolutely. You you, you want to meet this queen? 100%. You want to meet this powerful goddess woman Yep. where she's already meeting herself? Show us. Yeah. There has to be a vetting process. Yeah. I will absolutely say once Jeff did that Bobinsana dieta, that was when we chose union again. 1000%. That was the moment. It wasn't even, grandmother was the segue into finding Bobinsana, of course, but it was with that energy that brought that forward. Yeah. And then here comes Shanti. And then moving out to the cabin, doing my thing completely Perfect. I had made peace with, I am going to be this man living in the woods alone. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Okay. So we have to go back to this acceptance part that we started with. Uh That's when you found it. The forgiveness, the acceptance of yourself. I had, I had found that a while back. Okay. A little while before that. Okay. Yeah. The acceptance of myself, like really witnessing myself, starting to understand myself, pouring into myself, like, when I moved, when I left that relationship and moved into a new apartment, I had no TV. I had no couches. It was my dojo. Mm. I was deep in ceremony every night mm. with no plant medicine, nothing deep in ceremony within myself mm-hmm. every night, mm-hmm. movement, yoga, breathing, meditating, just like. I was so important to touch on that. It was like, we want to do full circle because I love that it also came in before the cabin because of course it did. Because in order for you to continue to say yes, to continue to jump off that bridge, that 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 waterfall, to continue to leap to trust yourself, yeah. there is a level of stillness within yourself that you need to understand to then understand the acceptance. Correct. And and part of it is is where's the noise in your life yeah. that's keeping you from listening mm-hmm. to your soul. Mm-hmm. And I mean this by noise of psychic noise, screens, people, friends, going out, distractions, that kind of noise. And also the noise of your own stories and your own pain and your own traumas. Absolutely. And so to be able to listen internally, it takes what you're saying is that that, that stillness that you've cultivated, that that ability to just, it's just you. Yeah. It's just you. And so out in the cabin, loving life alone. I'm just, it's me. I got a cat, Rumi. It's just me and Rumi out in the woods. I wake up one day and I see a, I see a DM from sister Shanti. 
Had you followed her before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you I knew think her. I had unfollowed her, but I, 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 I knew her. Okay. And I was extremely magnetized to her. Mm-hmm. I see a DM from Sister Shanti. I love your video, something like that. And I was like, it's got to be a fake account. <laughs> <laughs> this can't be real. I look and it's her. And she had shared the video that I made the day after I got to the cabin. Wow. Calling in the men. I was calling them forward. And I didn't respond to her right away. Because instantly I'm like wanting to fanboy and oh my God, thank you, sister, and all this stuff. And I'm like, bro, just relax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're cool, we're cool. Just take a deep breath. (laughs) And then I I, I responded to her. Thank you. I appreciate your support. You know, I I do, I I really did um, honor the work and acknowledge the work that she's been doing. Mm And the voice that she's she she has in this world, and uh, she started to follow me, and I started to notice her in my stories. Mm. And you know, people listening, sometimes you're mm-hmm. you're looking for that one person who's who's watching your stories. Mm. The and en- the entire energy in my life shifted. Mm. It was so uh, palpable. Mm. Everything shifted. The eyes of this woman upon me transformed, like it shifted something on a cellular level wow. that I cannot explain. This was during Bobansana? Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. But my there was there was no communication between us. Yeah. But this I, is just the energy. The energy was really strong. That was being connected by that. Yes. But I'm deep in my diet. Mm-hmm. And this is the relationship I'm in. Mm-hmm. And so I acknowledge this energy, but I'm still on my path. Um, Bobinsana is this, is, uh, she carries the spirit of the black bear. Mm-hmm. And so I'm driving down the road one day and I see a black bear cross the street. And so I take a picture, a video of this black bear. Shanti responds to that story saying, where do you live? Mm-hmm. And then I told her I live, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so the connection was started to be made there. Uh, kind of fast forward a little bit. I was going to sit with ayahuasca one weekend. And I put in a, in one of my Insta stories that I'm going to sit with ayahuasca. And I was taking a ferry. And she responded to my story, wishing me well on my journey. Mm. And I was like, who is this woman? <laughs> Like, she's so sweet. Like, this heart, this love coming from her to, like, bless me on my journey. Like, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. Okay. Third night in ceremony, she comes to me in vision and says, we are to be in union with each other. I love that. I love that story so much. I spent that whole night in deep in my own unworthiness. Like, Mm. are you worthy to be with this woman? Mm. Who is this woman? What am I? Like, yeah. It's like crushing me and like I'm reprogramming myself in ceremony and purging and like, and I come out of ceremony and see that she had shared another one of my videos. And so, which I had made with the intention of, of it being for her. Wow. And so I sent her a video message after just thanking her, telling her she came into ceremony, but obviously your boy is not crazy. And he's not going to tell yeah, her. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> this, we're supposed <laughs> I to had be, a vision. <laughs> we're supposed to be in a relationship. Um, no, I just told her you came to me in ceremony and it was a lot of love and just mm. thank you. And mm. I left it at that. Mm. Um, and then I think a week or two later, 
I, I responded to one of her stories and she said, when are you coming to Costa Rica? And I said, I'm booking my ticket right now. Wow. And that was, that was like two and a half months after I got to the cabin. Wow. It was an accelerated move. Yeah. Like the vetting process. Yeah. Take this jump, jump here, yep. jump here, jump here. Yep. And then it just all coalesced and like popped me forward. Tell me about your relationship with fear at this point in your life. Did you feel like it was, it was, it was there for you at every sign post. And I, and I asked that specifically because you seem like a pretty fearless man at this point in your life, or maybe some people would assume that a fearless man is a dead man. Yeah. Amen. A fearless man is a dead man. So were you feeling of this course, fear? Absolutely. And you were like, let's do it. This is what I teach the men in my group is that when we walk through that threshold of fear, we are embodying our eternal selves on the other side. And so our Couldn't fear, our fear is here, right? Cause every fear we have essentially boils down to the fear of death. And so when you walk through mm. that fear of death to emerge on the other end, you've chosen love, you have chosen yourself. A rebirth of yes. who you've always been. Yes. A signpost. Fear is always a signpost. Yes. Which is why I had to bring that forward because of course there's fear. Of course there's fear in the diet. Of course there's fear in the connection. Of course there's fear in in sitting with grandmother and 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 purging that unworthiness. And and there's fear as well, depending on how you were conditioned and raised, by looking crazy that you're going to Costa Rica after you've spent months searching for this cabin that this yeah. was your dream yeah two and a half months later now you're going to costa rica for who this yeah. this chick you met on instagram totally oh you're calling her your queen <laughs> totally. after three days of chatting with her yeah you're crazy bro and then how fast how fast did you get married how fast did the union my diet lasted a full month after connecting with her and so i needed to complete my diet before going to Costa Rica. And then I closed my dieta with three beautiful ceremonies that really brought me home. Mm. A day later, I go to Costa Rica, meet Shanti, and two weeks later, we get married. And, you know, to, to people who are living in fear. Yes. To people who are... Living in conditions. Living in conditions, living in comfort, living in safety living in their own uncertainty with self, the man who walks through that, the man who takes those leaps, the man who is certain in himself will look crazy. Yeah. And so I looked crazy to a lot of people. Yeah. I didn't even call my parents to tell them I was getting married. I just wrote them an email because I did not want to take that on. Yeah. The person that chooses himself often does look crazy in this world. And I was crazy crazy in love crazy in love with myself mm. and it led me to the love of my wildest dreams wow that i never knew existed an alignment like i never knew was possible which doesn't mean it was easy yeah it means it was brutal 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The duality of such. I mean, maybe it even gets well, I don't know. What would you say? Would you say that the duality gets even more more intense? It's been the most beautiful adventure and the greatest teacher. And it's also challenged me at levels I never imagined were possible. Yeah. And that first year plus was extremely difficult for us. It wasn't rainbows and sunshine and it was ego death after ego death. It was challenge after challenge. It was, I want to put my face through this wall. Mm -hmm. It was, I want to leave. Mm -hmm. It was my bags are packed. I'm ready to go mm -hmm. a couple times. Mm -hmm. It was, what did I do? Mm -hmm. How do I, what it, what did I do? Why am I here? What? And just like, and every time I wanted to run or every time I wanted to hide or every time I wanted to blame or every time my, my distortions took over, I would check in. Does my soul want to be here? And it was a resounding yes. Hmm. And it was like, shit, I'm not, I'm not seeing straight. Hmm. Go back go back in mm -hmm. eyes in mm -hmm. you called yourself eyes in for a reason mm -hmm. and as long as you're looking at this woman for the reason you are unhappy in this moment then you are displacing and outsourcing your peace onto her you are seeking to extract from this woman yeah eyes in yeah and it was the most beautiful and intense schooling and reclamation for that first year hmm. because I also lost my job. Dan died. Dan died. Dan died. Dan as could soon not as, live. Dan died as soon Rica. as I got to Costa Rica. Wow. As well. So who I thought I was, the value I held in the monetary world, in the getting a paycheck every other week yeah, was gone. He had to die too, man. He, we joke, Dan died of COVID. <laughs> he really did. He really did. He really did. Wow. And so that was also a death that happened as well. So here I come into Costa Rica, meeting my queen, two very intense energies oh, coming together, powerful. trying to find their mm -hmm. way in harmony. We'd have moments of harmony and then it would just be back into the chaos. Moments of harmony, back into the chaos. It took a while for it, for the energies to settle mm -hmm. within ourselves and each other. Mm -hmm. And then also whatever worthiness i was still um the the false sense of worthiness i was still getting from dan mm. was now gone and here i am with nothing in my hands mm. and so aizen was born at that time yeah yeah and here you are and here i am and the initiation of that could have never happened if you had decided that aizen was the guy in the cabin alone making the food away from society yeah screw everything and all of those quote unquote matrix matrix matrixes out there right yeah. instead you decided to choose into this initiation of love of divine union which then ultimately brought you to the deepest divine union within yourself 
Yeah, we Shanti has this beautiful quote that says, you know, divine union is not faded, it's chosen. Mm. And we have to like choose mm -hmm. into, mm -hmm. into ourselves really to be able to choose into it. And it has been it has been a really profound initiation. It's taught me so much about masculine, feminine energetics. It's taught me so much about myself. It's taught me so much about like the, the codes I've received from, from this union. I acknowledge that being the student of life that I am and being so devoted to looking inside of myself to, to reflect on the quality of my relationship with her is really showing me the quality of relationship I have with myself. Yeah. It always brought me back. There's a funny story. Somebody asked her once, what do you love most about Aizen? And here I am sitting at the dinner table waiting to hear something to like yeah, yeah, pump yeah. me up. And her response is, he always comes back around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a great thing to love. And I was like, what does that even mean? Yeah, yeah. And for days, I'm like joking with her. I'm like, I always come back around. Eh? Like, what the hell does that even mean? You couldn't have said something else. Yeah. And uh, then it hit me what she actually meant. Yeah. He always finds his way back to center. Mm -hmm. He always finds his way back to truth. He always finds his way mm -hmm. back to God. And he can come and bring this gift into union. I think that that's a huge takeaway for everybody. If there's one thing to take away from having you here, it's that Maybe it's not the idea. I know it's not the idea of coming to this, you know, happiness, this place of understanding everything. This That's why you call it the great mystery. Yes. It's the constant humility to know that you might be challenged again and again. And if you're in a divine union, you will. You will. That's why we see people divorcing more and more because that there's a facade there very clearly let's we i mean i've been married for 15 years what a gift what a gift to be taken to those places again and again and again because if you didn't you would stay the same a conscious partnership is going to reflect back to you all what is unconscious within you yes all the unconscious ways that your experience of reality is being crafted and so if you truly want to be in an unconscious partnership, you have to embrace your own unconsciousness. And that's going to be extremely challenging yep. at times and painful. Yeah. And also to like to recode love the way we have defined love yes. within our own experience, at least for me, I'll speak for myself has been one of codependency mm. has been one of resentment mm. have been, has been savior programming. Mm. trying to save and fix and, and, and extract my sense of worthiness from mm -hmm. another. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so if this relationship is going to be what it is destined to be, then I was being, I, I was called forward to recode love. Yeah. And it's not just one flick of the switch. Yeah. It's, and it's thread. also not all rainbows and butterflies. Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> Because in order to recode love, there has to be that tension. Correct. It has to come into your awareness. And at times it's going to come into your awareness through conflict. Mm -hmm. It's what you do with the conflict. Yes. Coming back around. Yeah. Which is what I love about what you do for the men that you serve, for the containers that you hold. 
And you know, this isn't just for your containers. This is what you do online. It's very powerful. It's very powerful, the illuminations you bring to the shadows in the world that people aren't willing to illuminate. It's brave. Do you feel it's brave? Or does it just feel like it's meant to be? Does it just feel like it's your path? Interesting reflection because I've received it a few times from people that they perceive it as brave. Feels brave to me. Why? I think a lot of people, especially in the spiritual community, I mean, it's, it's a terrifying place out there. It's a terrifying place to be ridiculed. I mean, to some people, it's very terrifying to be ridiculed. It's very, ter very terrifying. Because if you're calling someone else, who are you? Who are you to call someone else out? Mm -hmm. Who are you to call out truth? Why is it your truth mm -hmm. versus so that your truth's better than someone else's? Those are the shadows that are being seen when there's someone out there brave enough to say, actually, this is what I stand for. Yeah, That is bravery, especially in a world so loud to say, I believe this and that's right. And then I believe that and that's right. Right? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> what other choice do, do we have? I know. I know. What other choice do we have? especially after the journey that you've been on where you felt where you felt the, the the opposite the more you've stepped into your truth the more any of us have stepped into our truth the more that we are held i believe genuinely that we are held to a higher with that privilege comes obligation to help that light shine forth but you do it in a way and just receive, just receive this compliment. Okay. That is brave. Mm -hmm. There's not many people that do it in the way that is brave. And, and because I know you on a personal level and in a, in a way that's humble enough to say, oh, I'm going to come back around. Yeah. How cool that there's a place for us to live where there's truth that we know. And there's also mystery. I don't, I don't actually believe that's very, um, I, I think it can be easy to hold once you have more, more knowledge and more, um, education with it or more time with it. But I don't think that it's something that is held very easily at the beginning, which is why it's hard for people to distinguish or why it's hard for people potentially to be brave. As you said that what came to me is that I draw my courage from my people as a Palestinian. Absolutely. Their plight gives me strength. I draw my faith from my people. Hmm. You know, they're, it's like we, we're all, we're all swimming in the same waters. And so we can, we can really tap into another's experience to bring forward what we may need in this moment. Hmm. And I even remember that in my first ayahuasca ceremony, the third night. I'm like, how am I going to drink a third night? What? What? There's no way. Yeah. I've been dragged around for two nights. I'm I'm good. And then I was touching this, the map of Palestine on my necklace. I was holding it, and mm -hmm. it, and that's when that code came in, which is like, you can draw your courage and your strength in this moment from the plight of these people. What can you pull from that now? Yeah. yeah. Does it feel like in a way, does it feel like this isn't brave? Look at what my brothers and sisters are doing in Gaza. This isn't brave. This is the least I can do. Can you imagine? No. Can you imagine that, that 
No. Speaking out on Instagram is no. considered brave. I know. And it is brave in the sense of proportionality that I've been conditioned. Like, you're right. It's brave because partly because the way I was disciplined as a child was, hey, 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 stop doing that. People are watching you. So another person's perception was used to control my behavior. And so what you're seeing as bravery is me facing myself part of the the beautiful tool that social media can be if used as a tool to expand your own consciousness is to face yourself through these things and i was never shy of conflict hmm. growing up i was never i never shied away from conflict i never shied away from a confrontation and so i've had to confront the truth over and yeah. over again what a gift to even just witness that courage. And I'm really grateful that even for a moment, Gaza got brought into this conversation because they have learned so much from you. My ignorance was so strong. I mean, the more uncovering that I do, the more uncovering the world does, it's because of people like you genuinely that are like, that's not true. Mm. That's, that's not true. That's not, that's not what my people are. Mm. But there are voices that, that aren't able to say that, that aren't able to give us that education that not aren't able to, to share us with that or to share that with us. And I just thank you for that. I want to ask you maybe just one takeaway from this experience and maybe tell us a little bit about what you've learned, or maybe if somebody's listening. So I'll just give, of course, there's a war on Gaza right now. And Eisen has been courageous and brave and just a truth seeker through it all, mm -hmm. sharing shadows that m many people didn't know about. And it's still there and it's still ongoing. And I have seen you through this, even just a fraction of this as we've gotten closer and to see you hold and carry and the words that you've spoken and the poems you've written and the, 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 the videos you've shared, what can we do? What can we do to help you, to help your people, to help that part of the country? How can we continue to, I have been very transformed from your bravery. And I know that many people will once they, listen to this or find you, what can we do with that? What can we do with that? I know you personally, and I know that you've been sharing with your children as well. And you've educated your children about what is going on. And so I think the education part is important because in this game of illusions and all the propaganda and the billion trillion dollar media propaganda machine of the you know, of the warmongering entity that is perpetuating and orchestrating all of this, like educating ourselves, awareness is really important. Seeing ourselves in it is probably even more important as a next step to see the war within ourselves, mm. to see when we are getting lost to the propaganda within our own mind mm -hmm. that is dividing me from you. Mm -hmm. 
feeling this energy of war, division, fear, hatred that is pulling me into what I'm seeing out there. And it's interesting because what do we see when we look at that? We see the children being affected. And so if my unintegrated shadow is doing what it's going, it's, it's wreaking havoc on my inner child mm-hmm. and war more war will not find the peace. We must find peace. You can't fight war with war. You need to bring peace to it. And so what this has brought up for me is to see where I'm still at war with myself. So working on ourselves, our inner child, working on your shadow to understand if, if we're looking at this and seeing the degree of corruption that can occur to the human psyche, to hijack them to an extent that they are capable of genociding babies, then we must see how that capacity for hijacking exists within us. Mm -hmm. When am I choosing fear? When am I allowing my own separation and division to bring a war in my home Mm -hmm. with my woman, Mm -hmm. with my friends, with my community? When am I at war with myself and projecting that upon the world around me? And so there is no, they say, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. So we must look at the world to see what ought to be changed within us. Yeah. A direct reflection. It's all on display right now. It's all on display. Not just within us, but also it's showing us the systems at play. Mm-hmm. Who is in bed with who, mm-hmm. who is lying to you, mm-hmm. who is supporting what is not in alignment to the highest truth in your heart? Where is your attention best focused? How can you vote with your money? What is money? What are we crafting as a reality based on what we're intaking mm. and what we're, where we're focusing our direction? And so it's revealing so much to us, but we have to look at it. Yeah. It has to be shown. I think I can't even imagine if it's hard for me to see as a mother. Mm. I can't even imagine. And because, because it's unimaginable, I will look because it's unimaginable. I have to allow myself to go there so I can exactly what you said, see, but I just want to witness you in that I didn't allow myself to look before I knew you. I didn't allow myself to go there. I didn't want to go there. I've always had the idea that it starts in the home. So I will educate my children. Absolutely. They will know. We will not go to Starbucks. We will not do this and this, right? Yeah. Absolutely. But for me to have to see, it's a peace. Absolutely. And and I just want to tell you publicly, you didn't know I was going to do this, but thank you. Genuinely, thank you. Because what you see as a duty, what you see as who you are just embodied, I see as a, as brave as a piece of me that I didn't even know I needed to wake up to. And what a gift because now I'm able to deepen who I am, what I offer, mm. deepen into my union with my spouse and be more brave with this stupid thing, with this powerful tool yeah. than I have ever been. And I will say also how cool it is that I found that bravery and found you through Shanti, who is also such a huge illuminator for me. Mm. And her and I, you know, 
we met each other in such a pivotal point where we got to see each other for that and and rise together to really be held accountable to what we are offering, what we are sharing. Um, so I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for that, genuinely. With your words and your bravery, to am I also brave in in trusting my integrity, trusting what mm-hmm. I'm sharing, mm-hmm. trusting the truth that I feel is revealed, even when it looks crazy to everybody else. Because that's when you find it. That's when you understand is when you question and when you take a risk, this is what I believe. Oh, is it actually not? Okay. But you don't ever, you can't ever see what's not illuminated. You can't see it right. until you question and until you lift it. Yeah. And we continue to inspire each other Yeah, as well with everything that you're creating, everything that you've had to step through in order to be sitting here and doing what you do mm-hmm. to hold the spaces that you hold. Mm. I, I understand in my own capacity to understand what you've had to clear out mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. The, the courage it's taken and the cliffs you've jumped off mm-hmm. in order to be mm-hmm. what you are right now mm-hmm. and what you embody. And so I think that's the beauty of meeting along the path. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, you, you're walking here too. That must mean I understand what it took you to get here. Yeah. Yeah. To be able to meet somebody at the point that we're at or what I thought maybe what, where I was at, Mm -hmm. what a gift. I'm, I feel so, so grateful. And to also, you know, see the, the, the mirror in that and just to honor that and just the great, the gratitude I have for being seen and witnessed through somebody who has fought so hard to find truth. It's like we were in our own little battlefields for so long and now we're like coming out. And the only reason why we were able to do that is because we were able to use the screens Yeah. or else we would have never connected. These beautiful tools. Incredible. That we love and hate. Love and hate. And the illumination, they're the ultimate tool of shadow because everything's out there. Yeah. So I want to get into, okay, so we're here. Yeah. I want to get into what you do and what you do now. And I, I want to get into it with a question first. And that question is where do people start and how can you help people start? I think, I think that's what you do at why you do what you do. Cause you want to help people start. So where, where do, where do, where do they begin? What a question, eh? Where do people start? Start with where you're at. Start right now in this moment. Start by asking like what pains me the most? Where do I still not accept myself? Where am I still hiding from truth? Think there's some foundational keys. And one of them is complete radical self-responsibility for your experience of reality. Mm. Until you realize that how you experience reality all revolves around you, that literally you are the center of your own universe, then everything else becomes like some you just become an innocent bystander to life. Mm. So parting ways, I mean, not parting ways with victimization, but really starting to take radical self-responsibility for everything, every feeling, every thought, every action, every reaction, every emotion, like everything in your life revolves around you. And that is why I love to play with the king archetype. Mm. 
with the men. Because mm. when you step truly into your kingship, the only thing above you is God. Mm. And, and everything revolves around the king. How women are treated in the kingdom, how finances are used in the kingdom, how do you treat the people in the kingdom? Who is in your council? Drunks and jokers or wise men and wizards? Mm. How do you treat your queen? Are you a vengeful king? Are you quick to war? Everything revolves around the king in the kingdom. And so this archetype, when, when a man plays with, because how I see archetypes is like, uh, dress up for your consciousness mm. to experience mm -hmm. itself and explore mm -hmm. and expand. And so when a man starts to play with this king archetype, he begins to realize the responsibility he has in his life and he carries with him a different energy. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Powerful. Yeah. Radical sovereign accountability is what I like to call it. Right. And so you do that through the fellowship yeah, and then retreats one-on-ones with men. And you've also been working on, or you've been holding space for women. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that and what inspired that. So <clears throat> early on, I started to realize that the majority of my followers were women mm. and it was like, okay, so that means I'm going to, there's going to be work done with women at some capacity. Um, but it must really come from center and come from like a strong knowing of this is what wants to be offered to your sisters through you, not just because your followers are women. Yeah. Cause that's not, that's not from, this from soul. Mm -hmm. That's from your mind mm -hmm. looking at a screen and looking mm -hmm. at numbers. And so I kind of like just let it go and let, and, and, and created space for what wanted to be to come. And I continued working with the men in my men's group and in my retreats and stuff. And in a year and a half ago, a project came through for, to hold a masterclass for the sisters called awaken your inner King. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was about coming into inner union mm -hmm. to recalibrate your relationship with your own inner masculine. And what does that look like? And what does, what purpose does this serve within you? Mm -hmm. And it was a powerful transmission for the wow. sisters. It, it, it was beyond what I thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, we had over 500 women in the space and it, yeah, the, the message that came through, cause I know you wanted to ask me a, a certain question, right? Mm -hmm. The, the message that came through so strongly was that it is the feminine that leads the expansion in consciousness. Mm -hmm. It is the feminine that leads the expansion in consciousness and the masculine follows. And so this deep knowing, and that's why people are like, where are all the men at? Yeah. Why is there mostly women in these medicine circles? Why yeah. are there mostly, why are most of my followers women? Why are there mostly women in spiritual communities? And it is because the feminine, Yeah. excuse me, the feminine leads the expansion in consciousness. She is that not she, the feminine energetic is magnetic by nature, is receptive by nature. And so as it expands, 
the masculine energy continues to penetrate and fill. And this is how we expand in consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, and be a little bit of like a, uh, uh, like a trigger for some people, because I have noticed in, it's so interesting in the spiritual space, how still there's mask very much masculine and feminine wounding yeah. because of the overcompensation, because women were so oppressed and now we're so extreme feminists and it's just like, where is the balance? And so I was going to play that role and say, who, who are you to teach women? Yeah. But I mean, if you don't know by now, after listening to us for two hours, <laughs> the beauty of, and I'll let you answer that question, but I, I want to add the beauty of you sinking into the duality of yourself and also understanding that if we're really going to hold hands, if the men and the females of this world are going to hold hands and continue to awaken, why not help each other? Yeah. First, I will say the oppression of women has been a direct attack on the men. 100%. It's been a direct attack on the men. Which has made men say, oh, bye which has made men, I'm going to hide, I'm going to hide. I don't need to like there. I, I shared this at the men's retreat this weekend. I said, there's not a man who's built a castle to live in it by himself. Quite literally everything that has been built in this realm has been built by men for Poor women. Mm -hmm. And so when you cut her off from her magic, when you suppress her from speaking her truth, when you dim her light and shame her radiance, the men are got nothing to do. They've got nothing to protect. They've got nothing to fight for. They've got nothing to build for. There's no muse. There's no inspiration. There's no magnetism. They're, they're completely cut off from their essence. Mm -hmm. And so if you really want to capture men, oppress the women. Mm -hmm. And so what we're seeing now is as more and more women are remembering coming online and connecting to their magic and to their essence and to their power and to their magnetism, all of a sudden the men are like, Oh my God, I'm an outdated model. Yeah. <laughs> I need to, I need to meet her where she's reminding me. I have the space to meet myself. Mm -hmm. And so, as I said, when, when you're like, well, why, why you, I, I'll go back to this. I truly believe the feminine leads the expansion in consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I've given this example before the male birds build the nest based on what the female bird desires. And she chooses the male bird based on the nest that he builds for her, who she chooses, who gets to co-create life with her. Mm -hmm. He doesn't build the nest based on himself. He builds the nest on what she will want. And so I've been guiding these men to build these nests of consciousness, mm -hmm. right? Within themselves, the space of peace, a place that they can hold safety in their union, safety for their own emotions, um, to step into their, to their manhood, mm -hmm. to reclaim themselves, to find out who they truly are and what their capacity is. And so part of, Part of my path is to be a brother to my sisters and to share what I've learned and what I continue to learn. And so, as I said, my union has been my greatest teacher. Yeah. And so here I am teaching what I've received. 
for my sisters to support them in their unions so that they can now continue to to expand in this like transcendental experience of divine union you know and first it started off with awaken your inner king which is it all starts from within the holy union in self and so now we're taking the next step hmm. with where is that at tell me when where okay so awaken your inner king was essentially part one a year and a half ago mm. right all about inner union the next step is receiving the warrior king mm. and so as these men are coming online the, the the there is a space for that receptivity beautiful and so receiving the warrior king which is going to be held on february the 18th is essentially the part two amazing first it was the inner dance and now it's the external dance and what i what i'm really excited about doing is taking the sisters into a journey into the masculine psyche mm, beautiful this is where the men have been yeah this is what how their operating system is this yeah. is how they're viewing the world like i've worked with hundreds of men this is yeah this is what you how your man is essentially built yeah you know to better understand him um to better understand how he's built to serve you yeah so that you can see this service understand it better to understand it better and to see it beyond yeah, really your own see. lens yes of like my needs need to be met this or way, it's way. not of service mm -hmm. and so like this man is literally built to serve you and the relationship mm -hmm. can we attune to this yeah yeah beautiful incredible and this is coming out on friday this podcast and so they'll have two days two days up. this sunday february 18th what a gift. You'll get access to the recording if you can't join us. Um, and yeah, we've also made Awaken Your Inner King available as well. Beautiful. So they will get both. And It's like a three-hour masterclass too? It's going to be like about a two and a half hour, three-hour class. Okay. We're going to do a Q&A at the end. Amazing. And yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to drop in with the sisters because it's always so potent. Like I don't often work with women. My primary focus is the yes. men and bringing these men and bringing the warrior king template, like restoring that back in the grid. And yeah. so, you know, it's been a year and a half since I've been able to drop in like this and uh -huh. it's, it's, it's perfect. I have to say, um, I'm really excited. I saw when you first did your first masterclass with women, I was really excited then. And I am now for the opportunity of women to get to know you and to learn from you because I don't know if you even remember this, but the first time I actually physically met you was in Costa Rica and you had just come for a second because I was there for Shanti's round table and you were staying off site, mm -hmm. but you came and I will never forget the presence you gave to the women that were there. Well, first, well, there's a couple stories, but the first time I met, you just gave such a respect and you were inquisitive, you were asking questions, you listened. And it was really powerful because I felt a camaraderie mm. that I don't know if I had felt very often with um, a man that I respect or see. And of course, it's all perfect as the mirror of who I was then and what I was calling in and the different people that I surrounded myself with. But it was so beautiful to feel that. And then you were also holding space while we were in the Thomas Gall. And there's a reverence and a respect that I feel from you 
um, that I'm actually really grateful that we have this opportunity to step on this podcast and talk because I have uh, uh, thousands and thousands of women in this community now. And I'm, I, I feel really grateful that I've have this connection and this opportunity to then say, Hey, there are men out there that want to teach that I trust. Mm. And I am really, really, really grateful for that. Man, you truly humble me with that. And I want to just say back to that, that time with the Tamaskal, the sweat lodge, what an honor it was to be a firekeeper for the women in Shanti's round table and to be outside of the womb mm -hmm. while all this work was being done inside and being called forward, like, Hey, bring the next rocks, bring the more rocks. And it was mm -hmm. like, we are built to serve as men. Mm -hmm. We are built to serve. And a lot of these men are truly coming online right now. They are mm -hmm. remembering mm -hmm. and it's large in part due to the work women have been doing, mm -hmm. calling them forward. Like, Hey, do you remember what's here? Mm -hmm. We need you. We've been praying for this. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's no reason, there's genuinely no reason why the trust should, could have been there. There's no reason. I didn't know you from Adam, whether or not you, mm. there was a union with Shanti or not. Mm. But as I step more into me being very radical, radically ac accountable, as I step into more of my union of masculine and feminine, there becomes a knowing and when you find that knowing in the opposite sex, a healing begins to happen. And when, when that happens, listen, and I'm speaking to the women that are listening or even the men that are listening that feel called to learn from a woman or whatever it is, we have been told to sexualize and demonize this facade of a man and a woman. And there is a union that needs to happen of an understanding of a respect of a camaraderie between us. And and you will know, you will know. I just knew, I knew I could trust you immediately. I could feel your energy. That doesn't lie. And the more I step into really being integral with myself, because I, although my relationship, my history was very much different than yours. I had a, a, a very deep past of looking outside of myself as well, mm. of having that daddy issues or wounded masculine within me or looking outside of myself or sexualizing myself to get the attention of men. And because of that, because of the journey that I have taken much like you in a different way to really understand my integrity within me, I believe that I have created this sense of trust with the masculine that I can trust. And it's a gift. And I also would say to the men that are listening or the women that are listening, trust that. Trust that and trust yourself and also trust that you have a place to teach. If you are a teacher, always a student, if you are a teacher and you feel that, I think it it's brave to say, yeah, I wanna, I wanna teach women mm -hmm. being the opposite sex because there has been so much. Stay in your lane. What hit me is that I'm teaching. I'm a teacher at heart but I'm actually like a guardian and I'm here to serve. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm receiving the direction of where I'm best set to serve. Mm -hmm. And so as these things come through, it's like, this is your next mm -hmm. task. This is your next mission. This is the path of service that you must walk. And as you're talking about trust, like I trust that this is what is needed right now because it's coming through right now and to support these unions 
right? Ultimately, I am here. Part of my part of my path and part of my mission is to support divine unions. Yeah. Because they've been yeah. at, under attack and destabilized by everything that you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. You know, the porn, the feminism, the substances, the hookup culture, the distractions, the infiltrations, like it's divine union is the most powerful force in existence because it is the seed of creation. And so this class, although it is for women, it is in support of divine union. Absolutely. And if I can just peel back some of the layers and show them like, yo, you ask where are all the conscious men at? This is where they're at. This is what they're going through. This is how they think, how they feel, how they operate, what they're, what drives them, how you can communicate to them to get the most out of them, not in a manipulative way, but from a place of understanding mm -hmm. of symbiosis and like, mm -hmm. it's all in support, all mm -hmm. in support of, of, of unions and love and growth and consciousness. And, and when that's under the, ta under attack the most. Yeah. It's such a beautiful gift to see and witness. And I feel really grateful for my divine union and fighting through that and finding it. And what a gift that we can walk on this journey together in our own divine unions. And, you know, a lot of times I love that you said, you know, I'm just a messenger. We're just instruments. Mm -hmm. We're just instruments and guides and a lot of the time when I'm creating something or launching something or sharing something, I might not understand it and it might feel terrifying, but that's the, that's piece of the medicine, right? That's a piece of the medicine. You being like, well, people not, might not receive this well, but this it's important for me to continue to do this. Yes. And, and, and where the distinction comes in is when it's an offering and not something to extract from people. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe, and I don't mean to speak for you, but you can confirm this. Maybe what you felt when we met in Costa Rica is that like, I was not looking for anything mm -hmm. from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the key. But you have to be open for that to even be felt in the first place. Yeah. So many of the opposite sex are closed. Right. How? No way. It's the patriarchy. It's the masculine. It's the men that did this. And what happens when mm -hmm. we do that? We close ourselves off from even the idea that I could be in a, a beautiful friendship from you and you wouldn't need anything or vice versa. Right. And that's the key of what we both teach is really coming home and remembering who we are and finding our, our own medicine so that then we can understand that sovereignty, not so we can be alone in the woods forever, but so that then we can continue to live in this harmonious life where we, we fulfill each other, not from a place of need, mm -hmm. right? But from a place of harmony. And you know, what's been one of the most beautiful teachers for me. And I know you resonate with this strongly is the elements. Mm -hmm. And we have, we have a beautiful container that, that Shanti and I hold called the initiation. Mm -hmm. And we have men and women, we bring them together in circle and we, we go through the elements. Mm -hmm. and the astrology wheel. Mm -hmm. And so my <clears throat> being a student of the elements, one of my greatest teachers has been the elements. And Shanti and I hold a beautiful container called the initiation. We have men, we have women who join us. 
and we take them through the elements. And so she'll take them through the embodiment of each element. And then I will like unpack the codes of the elements mm -hmm. and learning the masculine and feminine energetics, the dance of these elements. It's, it's opened up so much for us. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I loved it when I saw that that's what you're doing as well. Mm -hmm. And how at this time, this remembrance, like we are so supported that nature becomes our teacher. Yeah. And so I'd love to hear more about like how the elements have spoken to you and why yeah. you feel called to like teach through the elements. Like what? Because yeah. I know how they speak through me. Yeah. How are they speaking through you? So the elements are really, really important to me because they've in, in essence, brought me back to my full sovereignty. So like you mentioned in your story, how you had these pillars of body, mind, and soul. After I ended the, my this understanding that my physical fitness, my physical body wasn't the actual basis of what I was, I started extracting more pieces of myself and I wanted to teach women how to do that to others. So I've been, I've been coaching for many, many years and I wanted to teach them and certify them into this body, mind, and soul stuff. It wasn't until I understood the elements where I realized, oh, there's another piece to it. So Sacred Rebels is my mastermind and it's the name of the mastermind. And I teach elemental life coaching. So I certify them in the elements essentially. And the elements to me are earth, your body. So that's somatics and breath work. That's like really embodying their body. And then air mind, which is all about uh, meditation, mindfulness, inner child work, hypnotherapy. So I certify that in them. And then water soul. So your soul is so fluid. Of course, there's a piece of your soul in your body now, but it's everywhere. And that is, you know, your connection to God, the connection to your higher self, astrology, human design. And then the last piece that I was missing, which is why I waited for a few years to launch this was your womb, my womb, which is why it's a woman container. I can see myself creating um, both men and, and female in this container eventually, but this is my second year doing it. And the womb is the fire. It's where we create. It's where we birth our creations. And it's really powerful. The enrollment's open right now for 2024. And last year I had 120 women in there and it was just profound. Yeah. Wow. yeah. That's a whole year. That's quite mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the journey. Yeah. I, I have chosen to say yes to something that feels really, I think, bizarre to a lot of people. And that's why I love that we're talking about our offerings a little bit because even the word coach has such a bad taste in some people's mouths, yeah. right? And so as we enter into really reclaiming who we are, remembering who we are and stepping into being an instrument of God, truly, which which is what I am, it doesn't make sense. A lot of it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. Okay, so I'm certifying in all these things for a year. Okay, I'm gonna, you're going to add in business and how I can find my medicine. Okay, you're also going to add in how I can really come home to my unique frequency. And I just say, yes. Like I actually genuinely, Eisen didn't even know if it was going to work. I just mm -hmm. trusted that mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be um, a guide of these elements as they teach me. And the women that said yes helped guide the energy as, as, as you know. So it just feels exciting and it's uh, amazing that we can be guides of this coming home to ourselves and remembering and be vessels of that. You know what I really enjoy or, or I'm really inspired by, by this sacred rebels journey that you're taking the sisters through 
is how in-depth it is. Yeah. You know, and, and also that you add the business piece to it mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. because you are building quite the empire for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you have these codes that aren't just about, and it's interesting too, because of the way you, you, you connected with the air and the fire and I didn't hear you necessarily saying masculine and feminine. And so mm -hmm. the way they're expressing through you feels very unique to me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because of an understanding of how they're expressing through me. And, and yeah, just the, I know the the depth that you're taking these women on and all the tools you're equipping them with, like, and the consistency, because I hold a year long container with my men mm -hmm. and I know I know the level of devotion mm -hmm. and consistency mm -hmm. required to hold the energy for a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's massive. That just means that this is such a high calling for you mm -hmm. that you are like, yes. Yeah, it's really taken me to that next level. And every month in that specific month, so like we start with earth body, mm. there's a masculine transmission and a feminine transmission. Uh -huh. Yeah, so like there's uh, like a lecture type of where I get to like really give them actual skills, actual tools. Mm -hmm. And then we go into an embodiment of that where we get to really feel it in our body, whether that's breath work or dance or somatics or yoni dearmoring. And I, I feel it's just beautiful how you say like, if you were to go back and everything you've done and everything you've experienced, everything was absolutely perfect and guided you to literally the containers you're holding now. Yes. And I feel like when I said, okay, I, I want to do this. I want to do the year-long container. It couldn't just be a year-long container. I had to map it perfectly as to how the elements interacted perfectly in my life and my business because that's just an extension. As we see the world unfold, as we see the veil being exposed, mm -hmm. so too are we seeing the veil of money being exposed. And I will not rest until women and men understand the power of their own medicine, that they can make their own money, that they can find the freedom in that. So this isn't just, I'm going to teach you to become a, you're going to be certified in hypnotherapy, in yoga and somatics and breath work. I want to give you a foundation so that you can use this, these devices that we've been given to, to teach your medicine in such a integral way that you're also helping others and people find those frequencies. You are in your own unique frequency, Eisen. You have this frequency that is exuding from you and then it is attracting people to you because they are curious. They are desperate. They are wanting to find their own frequency. Mm. And I, I love that I can create a container where I can sleep well at night knowing that it's not even me. It's my stories mm -hmm. that have weaved. It's my work. It's my dedication, but it's God working through me through these elements to help them understand that. And it was a huge year last year. Every single month I was creating a new course inside Sacred Rebels because essentially what that is, that's what it is. And now this year I get to just add in a Q and A and add in, you know, a little bit more teaching, but I'm just so, you know, it goes to show that if you're really dedicated to the path and get out of your own way and trust amazing creations can come through what was your favorite part of it all like if you had to 
to, to pinpoint like one thing that. Oh my gosh. The community was really amazing. I noticed at the beginning. So we have a whole telegram community, right? Of these women. And I noticed at the beginning, I mean, I shifted so much. You just never know it. This, this goes to show for like Medicina too. You came to yeah. Medicina and both of those Medicina and Sacred Rebels were easily the hardest, most terrifying callings I've ever been called to offer. And I, I learn and grow just as much as the people in my containers do because we are walking hand in hand. And it was so rad to see the difference between the women then at the beginning to the women now and how they're answering the questions and how they're stepping up and how they're being seen on, on, on Instagram or in their emails. Like they are finding their medicine and it's not even because of what I did. Of course I created the space for them to find it and I created the form, but it's because they showed up every single month to remember. Wow. What a gift. Wow. What a gift. Wow. Yeah. And, and what, and like, I, I, I can speak for myself. These containers change me at such a deep level that it's just so beautiful to be able to, to offer from my being, mm -hmm. from everything I've collected, from everything you've collected to be able to like mm -hmm. offer this to our mm -hmm. communities. Um, whoever's listening, <laughs> you are the gift. Yeah. You are the gift. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And how, this is the last question and we'll say goodbye. How did you find that wild within you, Aizen? Okay. Follow me here. Okay. Got it. I'm here. The tiger is only deemed wild to the one who is in its habitat trying to capture it. Mm. But to the tiger, it's just a tiger. Mm -hmm. And so for me, reclaiming my wild was to reclaim my ability to choose love where, where before it's just been choosing fear from an unconscious place. Mm. And so reconnecting to the sovereign essence that is not actually wild. It's mm -hmm. just aligned. Just what, is what is. Yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. Just being the tiger. Just be that tiger. tiger. Being a tiger. Be that tiger in your <laughs> habitat. Love. Yeah. I love you so much. Thank you so much you for being here. Please, if you feel called, say yes to learning from Aizen. On Sunday, we'll give the link. His Instagram is Aizen. Do you want to just spell it out? Yeah, Eyes, E-Y-E-S, double underscore, N, I-N, double underscore. So Eyes, double underscore, N, double underscore. Beautiful. Yeah. And they can find you there. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for sharing and being here with us and dedicating this time to bettering yourself. And I hope that you do something to find your wild, your natural tiger within you. <laughs>